welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. For more content like this, please follow and like this channel. Or log on to our website, www.venturechurch.co.za. Hello, um, you are with Michael and Yolandi. Hello. We are doing the Venture Church podcast today, and we are going to be discussing uh, around the topic of discipleship, and we will be talking specifically about the idea of apprenticeship rather than um, discipleship as a course or as a um, yeah, kind of like a, a two-week thing that you kind of tick off um, off the box of your Christian life. Uh, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be a, an apprentice of Jesus? So, yeah, that's that's what we will be talking about. Great. Let's get straight into it. We are at home, and uh, it's great to look at my beautiful wife. Uh, She's just beaming out of... Uh, I don't know if it's shyness. <laughs> Excited. Excited <laughs> to be able to talk about this stuff. So uh, when Jesus in Matthew 4, 4 verse 18 to 20, uh, do you want to read it? Sure. Yolandi? As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. So this guy just arrives at your work and says, hey, come and follow me. What do you do? No. <laughs> yeah. Stranger danger. That's what you do. I'm busy. Yeah, I'm busy. Yeah. Can I schedule an appointment? Uh, why did why did they do this? Why did they move? For, why did they immediately drop their nets, drop what they were doing, leave their career as successful business owners, and follow this guy? Um, what made them do? I this? think I've heard things where um, Jesus looked like a rabbi. Yeah. And I'm also wondering by then if Jesus had a reputation already for what he has done. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. There's why why they would do that and how they would do that. So, already we're here in Matthew 4. Um, so, there's already been 1, 2, and 3 in which um, Jesus arrives on the scene. He is the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary and uh, into a, a specific culture. And in this culture, uh, the, the Jewish education system has been around for a while. And throughout the lives of the kids... Um, up until about five, the you know the home is the the majority, uh, place of education where they would be educated in uh, a vocation in the basics of language and as you would normally, uh, but then also there's a, a mentorship that happens between with your mother with your father, um, they are responsible for teaching the history of Israel, teaching uh, morality, right and wrong, all of that stuff and. Um, in the society, there, later on, when Jesus was around, they would have had um, centers of, of learning by then. And there you would have um, started to learn to write, started to learn um, the Torah, started to learn, um, and you would have learned these things off by heart. And if you were really good, you would have, um, you know, moved like you would now. 
um, move through the education system. But all the while, you would also be learning and be part of your family business. Um, everyone was a tradesman. Everyone was a um, had a had a skill, um, not a fallback, but something that was part of them that they would do no matter what um, their contribution to society. And um, yeah, in the society, Jesus or the rabbis, it, because it's a society that is based around uh, religion, it's a religious centered society. Those that carry the religion are the ones who are on top there. It's a weird way to say on top, but they're the ones that are looked at. They're the ones that are the experts. They're the ones that are celebrated, not in the way that we have celebrity, but in a way where they are looked to. They would, ooh, Rabbi so-and-so, did you see them today at the market? <laughs> and so when Jesus arrives, he comes as a rabbi, and he says, hey, follow me. He's not saying come let me teach you what i know he's saying he's actually saying within the culture he is saying you can be like me i believe that you can be like me you can do what i do and you can be a rabbi um, just like i am that's what he's saying when he says come follow me so those simple words come follow me those three words really just has a whole lot of context a whole lot of um, culture that comes with it it's easy for us to go okay cool i'm going to follow jesus but what did that mean what did that look like um, it really looked more like an apprenticeship than a course in learning how to um, which we degrade discipleship to so yolandi is here and we are talking about discipleship and apprenticeship and uh, Yolandi is a hairdresser by trade. So my education consisted of six months in college and then an 18-month apprenticeship. You were very fortunate if one of the senior stylists took an interest in you because then they will teach you their very specific ropes. And you get to learn firsthand. You, you're not just part of the crowd. You're not just washing hair. You get to learn from the best by being very close to the best. And I had that privilege and it really has set my career up to win. Okay, so let's, um, let's break it down. First, you, you obviously finished school, high school. Yes. And why did you choose hairdressing? Oh, that is a good question. Um, there was actually never anything that I wanted to study at university. I was going through the notions of architecture or interior design. And my father said, you have to know people in the industry if you want to succeed. So from, uh, I think, grade eight about, I was being coached into looking at hairdressing. And yeah, I really am glad that I did study hairdressing. Just a high level. Why do you like hairdressing? I love transforming people's lives through their hair. Sure. Can you go into that a bit? Um, you are very close with people and you get to know them, you get to know their backgrounds, you get to know their current situation. Because it's, it's quite an intimate thing. Very. I mean, social distancing in the salon is not exactly possible 
I can't really have T-Rex arms. And being a, two meters away from my clients. Just, just so that you know, <laughs> that doesn't mean that she has arms that look like a dinosaur. Um, she has short arms. It's, they're short. I'm short. <laughs> so I've gone exactly be two meters away. But there really is such a an intimacy that you have with your clients. And at the same time, for most, there's so many memes out there and there's so many quotes about your hair is your crown and your your hair makes or breaks your day or good hair days or bad hair days. And you really do get to transform people's lives with a good haircut or good color or even them just coming to the salon, sitting down, having their cup of coffee and just being able to be is already therapy for a lot of people. That's what I've heard. So I'm not just making this stuff up. This is what people feel when they step into a salon. And it's been such a privilege that I get to be part of of that therapy for people whilst really enjoying what I do. So your your first your time in college, what did that look like? Um, that was six months of full-on theory as well as practical. Mornings were theory, afternoons were practical. Um, push, push, push. I think after the first two months or maybe even after a month, I think already we had to start working in the salon on Saturdays so that we can start building up hours. So it really was uh, eating and breathing hair. Gross. <laughs> we loved it. Having discolored nails was such a privilege because <laughs> we got to work with color. So, yeah. so you worked Monday to Friday, college. And then Saturdays and the hours in the salon. were early. Um, yeah, and I think eight to five or nine to five. Okay. Um, if your practical finished early, then obviously you get, get to go home. And there was some homework, there was tests, exams, and then Saturdays we worked in the salon, which was a full crazy busy day. Okay, and just explain what what a, a salon, a Saturday at the salon would look like. The Saturday in hair salons are maybe like your favorite clothing store having a sale <laughs> every Saturday. That's how it looks. Lots of people getting done. There's so much talking happening that it's buzzing around you. Um, you running on a high. Probably some people live on their cigarettes and their coffee because mm. that's all you have time for. There's no time to chew food. Um, but you live for it and you love the, the rush. Awesome. And then the next level, what happened after you had college and then you, you started your apprenticeship? So the apprenticeship started with you, if, like I said before, if you got chosen by a senior stylist, then you would work closely with them, you work their hours, and you work mainly on their clients, and you learn their way of doing things. Um, often, I think God is so in those things, because it, even the personalities just match when we get matched with a senior stylist that took interest. Um, we were two of our college group that the two senior stylists at that particular time took interest in us and we really did get to fly high because of them showing us the ropes very close and personal. What did that mean, showing the ropes? We got to stand close by and see how they do things. They would share their formulas, they would share 
why they would do things a certain way and you really got to learn the the ins and outs and not just theory you got to learn um you, you even got to know the clients their clients at that point in time and you even started building relationship with those clients uh who was who was your senior stylist mandy lane and um like how how was the relationship what did because you you've spoken specifically about the skill that you've learned and you've picked up um was there anything else that you picked up or like the relational mandy is amazing in the way that she really cares for everyone that does choose to go under her wing um she looks out for them and yeah she firsthand teaches them everything that they need to know to set them up to win there's been many stylists that's been under her wing who really have like all of them have succeeded in in hairdressing that's awesome the how long did it take you for you to start cutting and having your own clients and and things i finished my apprenticeship which was 18 months and then i moved on to a different salon with mandy so you actually so although you were a stylist yourself in your own right you continued to go with your yes i think the friendship was just so close that we wouldn't okay so a friendship did fall oh yeah definitely okay. um then i moved on and i remember the first haircut i had to do was nerve wracking the first time my very sharp razor blade took out way too much hair instead of <laughs> gently just thinning out hair um yeah i think she had to come save me because i would have probably just cry um but yeah and uh you you have now been in the industry for how long 13 years 13 years so i mean that's that initial years, that initial bit really set you up well yes um, definitely and would you consider yourself an expert no why not because i think the industry is always changing so some basics remain the same but i think we always need to stay teachable and mm. see what's next and what's new because even clients wants to know what's next and what's new yeah. so we never we never really arrive okay tell me would you do you feel like you could be a senior stylist to somebody yeah i think i can definitely teach people some things cool <laughs> so when um when we talk about uh jesus calling his disciples and if we say that discipleship Biblical discipleship is more like an apprenticeship. How does that change your view of what you read in the Bible? I think it's definitely not an instant thing. It's not an 18-month thing. It's uh, which doesn't really match apprenticeship, how we know it in this world. Mm. Because an apprenticeship always has a certain time to it. For mechanics, for, for yeah. anyone in the trade, there's a certain time that you spend apprenticeshipping until you become qualified, get your papers, and then you can carry on the work. Mm. But I think there's something very unique about apprenticing Jesus that at the same time you do almost earn your papers. 
but you also never stop learning from him yes and but you can already start helping others also move closer to him yeah yes i have found this great definition of uh, discipleship um apprenticeship um that we are to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. It's good. Is that, uh, how, how do you see that as a picture of, of Christianity? I mean, we can't do this at all without Jesus, can we? And how better to to be little Christs, which is what Christian means, mm -hmm. than to be drawing closer to Jesus, to to become more like Jesus and to do what he did. That is this journey called Christianity. It's salvation is great, because salvation we're in. You know, we we have the faith and we saved and we're in. But at the same time, we want to know our Lord and Savior. We want to draw closer to him. And that should move us to a place where we want to show others. Uh, if you can hear the dogs barking, those are our dogs barking. And uh, they are terrorizing the neighborhood. Good times. Did you need to finish your thought? I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yay. Um, so tell me, um, how do you... Do you think we are good at being with Jesus as the, our current, in the current age, um, current ages as probably Christians? not as good as what we can be. Um, what does being with Jesus look like? Well, firstly, I think you need to put time aside for him. If I think of my apprenticeship was from eight to five, hmm. some days from seven to five, then do we really draw close to Jesus from 7am to 5pm on a regular basis? Sure. Probably not. He gets 15 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Um, if he gets that much. And mm. can we really learn the tricks of the trade if we are only spending 15 minutes with him? Yeah. Hmm. What else? I mean, so being with him, and what does that look like? That's prayer, right? I mean, that's what it means. Prayer, reading a Bible. Yes. Um not forsaking meeting together and uh, obviously in lockdown it's harder it does make it harder yeah but churches are putting in every effort to still stay connected which is amazing we need that we need that gathering um we need to be with like-minded people so that we can continue on this journey hmm. and help others to also draw closer to jesus the idea of apprenticeship in the Bible was, well, discipleship. It wasn't just one way. And it wasn't just one thing. It wasn't a, like I've said before, like it, um, it wasn't just, I'm going to learn what you know. It wasn't just knowledge orientated. It was holistic. It was about the whole person. It was about looking after um, the mind, will, will and emotions, um, the whole person um morality the um, decisions you make not just um that how does your apprenticeship to jesus impact 
every aspect of your life, not just your Christian walk, being a Christian. Yeah, well, firstly, I think Jesus is such a gentleman that he never really forces himself on us um, unless we open the doors for him. He doesn't knock them down, which is sometimes it would have been nice if he did knock them down and we could listen faster or change certain areas in our lives mm. faster. But Jesus is a gentleman and he does give us the chance to, there's ownership when we get to decide where we let him in or not. And with that ownership comes a will to, to want to change. So it's not just being told you must change. It's not just being told what you must do. Hmm. It's a willingness to want to do things different. Because firstly it works. His way works. His way is right. But our own stubbornness can definitely get in the way of that. And in our humanness we do obviously think we know better. But yeah and there's a partnership with jesus in in doing stuff in our lives mm. and letting him into every door mm. you you have a passion to see people change yes i i, I know that about you <laughs> walking with being your husband <laughs> of a number of years um, why why is it that you have this passion to see people change i think because i know the benefit of it um Growing up in a Christian home with, uh, how do I say this without dishonoring anyone? Christian home, but not doing Christian things. I think that was the example set for us for most of the time. Um, and I know the benefit of, of sticking to those roots, sticking to what you were taught even though your parents didn't necessarily live up to that way but sticking to those roots st sticking to those seeds that's been planted my mom did such a great job in our lives with the seeds that she planted and i think her prayer also just praying them into fruition which is just her very faithful way um but there's definitely there's benefit to walking like Jesus walked and there's benefit into changing to become more like Jesus. Uh, it's not always easy. It's often uh, takes sacrifice because changing is, I'm incredibly stubborn and don't tell me what to do. That's true. <laughs> I will not. But at the same time, we let's be stubborn for the right stuff yeah. and not do what people tell us in the right stuff. And not just oppose Jesus and everything he says and does. Um, but again, he's such a gentleman that it's hard to oppose him when he does come into that room and, and change it. That, that room in your life and change it. Um, it really is because God loves us so much that we get to do this journey with Jesus. And even if you do find it tough those certain areas the doors that you've shut closed for so long because you either don't think you're good enough or you don't think that jesus would ever be seen in that room think again because nothing we say or do can make him run to the hills and nothing we say or do or do can keep him mm. away from us because that's that's how much he loves us
good. It's good. Good job. How how do you become like Jesus? I think our first uh, point of our first training manual, let's call it that. Our first training manual is the Bible. Um the whole Old Testament points to Jesus and the New Testament shows us how to be like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. And I think to really spend time in the Word, we we can never grow tired. The same as we don't ever grow tired of eating. Mm. I'm sure we're all currently missing our favorite takeaways and restaurants. Amen. But in that same way, we never grow tired of eating and we, we shouldn't grow tired of ever reading the Bible. Um, we can always get dive deeper into it. Do you have any tips or tricks um, to help keep the Bible fresh? Oof, I don't think I've ever asked myself, how can I keep this fresh? Because God's word really is alive and I enjoy having the privilege that I can read it. I mean, there's people in the world where it's illegal for them to even mm. own one. We can freely have um, the Bible app on our phone and we can change and change through the different versions as much as we like and we can highlight and we can make notes and the the bible apps are so cool because they can even give you different ways to read it and there's how many 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 books out there to help you read the bible Mm. and daily devotions and there's so much out there but our first love should be the actual word Mm. and to dive into the word and start with the gospels yeah. Read about this Jesus mm. and move on to the letters that were written to the early churches. Mm. See how people did it in a time where Christianity was really not liked and appreciated. Um, definitely gives us some new perspective on we really have it easy in South Africa to love Jesus. Yeah. Most of the time, anyway. Um, but yeah, start with the Gospels. The reading is one thing, uh, applying it to your life and seeing that change that um, you're so passionate about, but also that Jesus is clearly yes. passionate about. Uh, how easy is that or how, how do you do that? I think we can very easily just read it and have head knowledge about the word and never let it penetrate our hearts and change us. Um, I think in that area, having people close definitely helps you to realize that that is what you're doing. Mm. Um, Because when we are walking around saying we're Christians, but we're not living that way, people will sure be telling us. But we can also have like-minded people who will in love tell us and say, look, this is what the word says. We're seeing the opposite. And doing it with like-minded people it really is always in love even if it's tough Mm. Uh, doing it with like-minded people really is for our benefit when they point out things in our lives that are not matching with the word or when yeah we have to to walk what we preach yeah, and the world is looking for that. People are looking for authenticity. Oh, absolutely. Um, they can see through people who are just all lip service and whatnot. And we really, 
if we are going to be carrying Jesus to people, we need to be people of integrity, people who yeah. um, live what we say. I found this this cool thing. Um, I think it, when I say thing, it's probably a quote. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in Jesus, in the culture that Jesus lived, learning was integrated into life, and life was the curriculum. Theology was a lived reality. And I think of, too often we are so easy. To, it's so easy for us to separate things, to separate theology and life. And the Hebrew mindset was not that. And that's what we're reading when you read the Bible. We read this ancient culture, and it's so it's convenient for us to copy and paste without digging a little deeper, without integrating things into life. Um, we believe without living. Uh, we say we believe. We have these philosophies that don't impact our everyday living. And that is unhelpful. And it's not all that Jesus has called us to. I'm on Women of Reverence, which is on Facebook. It's an NTMI. I don't know if it's just NTMI, but it is a women's group. Maureen, right? Yeah. Maureen. Awesome, Maureen. One of the ladies said, let God read us as we read the word and be open to what he says. What do you think of that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, I, be, I mean, I believe that the Bible reads us. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to um, illuminate things in our lives, definitely is is accurate um yeah we need to be open to change we need to be holding our whole lives open for god to change things yeah. because if if there is a person who is wrong it is us um yes we can you know we can be we can it's there's grace for disagreement with god god gives us that um, space yeah it doesn't be, take offense yeah gives up that space to be able to go ah god why or you know to to have our complaints and our disagreements and uh, all of that stuff but ultimately his like you said before his way is the best way for us yeah and allowing him to dictate where we go is is important and is the way that we should be doing so we should always be willing to submit our ways uh, in place in favor of, of his ways yeah next question so you spoke about uh i just want to go back to this um you spoke about the relationship that you have with um, mandy who is yes. your your master <laughs> to use that word master and apprentice yes um the i want to talk just briefly about discipleship and friendship is are all disciples friends and all are all friends disciples i think just from obviously personal experience it's, it's difficult to not form a friendship when you are doing life so closely together hmm. um god has made us for a relationship yeah and Obviously, you might even uh, hate, but throughout discipling someone, because you, even our very own Nadine and I have headbutted, um, 
because she sees the bigger picture for me and I don't. And she mm. told me straight and I was upset for days. But I came around. She'll admit that. Um, but it's because of her love for me that she kept pushing for me to see mm. what God sees, what God has showed her. Mm. And and in there, I don't think that we, we can walk that closely with people without forming this intense love for them. Mm. To see all that God has for them. And to want to help them to move into all that God has for them. So it's not a must that you must become friends. But I almost think that you can't help it. Mm. I think there's a a brotherhood and a sisterhood that Mm. forms. An affection. There's an affection that forms because because God has put that love in you to love that person Mm. like he loves them. And yeah, sometimes you can't help it. Even Jesus, I mean, you say sometimes you can't help it, but even Jesus refers to his disciples towards the end of, uh, I think it's John, where he talks about his disciples as friends. Yeah. And he says, you know, you're, you're no longer slaves. You know, a slave doesn't know what his master is doing, but you're friends because I'm letting you in on the plan. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's true. But, but not all friends are disciples. Uh, you can have friendships that are they just keep it safe it's there's no because discipleship is a growing there's a learning there's a a sharpness to it there's intentionality to it um that friendship doesn't necessarily that only friendship doesn't necessarily have so yeah i think discipleship can go into friendship but friendship doesn't necessarily move into discipleship discipleship but it can it can if you're intentional. It can, and when trust is built. Yeah. All right. So I mean, we've spoken briefly around. I mean, we've 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 had. This has been a great conversation. Um, firstly, because you're so pretty, and that's great to look <laughs> at you. Um, Let's stop it. <laughs> so we've we've talking we've spoken around being with Jesus. We've kind of spoken around um, becoming like Jesus. Um, how do we do what Jesus did in this day and age? Well, again, first read your Bible, see what he did. <laughs> Not <course>. do it. <laughs> Not do it. Just do it. Um, Jesus even said that you, like, we've seen what he's done and because of the spirit, we can do more than what he did. Um, which, I mean, isn't that exciting that... God thinks so highly of us that he wants to use us to show his love for people and Mm. to show his way for people. And like, firstly, let's just weed out any form of disqualification that you might think of yourself or any form of, oh, I'm not there yet because this is ongoing. Mm. So unlike, uh, unlike worldly apprenticeship, you don't have to become a master in order to have an apprentice with, with your walk with God, right? Yeah, I think uh, apprenticeships in in the workplace just happen. Apprentices just keep coming in and going mm-hmm. out and coming in and going out and they're just learning that particular trade. Yeah. But um, apprenticeship with Jesus is not like that. So doing what Jesus did, reading the Bible to learn... Um, not disqualifying yourself 
having the courage, having people who spur you on. Yes, and getting involved in your local church uh, is definitely very deep love <laughs> when you're working closely with people in mm. serving and in servitude that shows you where you're lacking because it is sometimes tough but it's very important for us to serve within the bigger community yeah. and to get involved yeah I mean, we we definitely have a church that is front-footed when it comes to involvement and yeah. and that's great we we want everyone um, I think it's Francis and Nadine who speak often about church is not a spectator sport. Um, yeah. How you're not supposed to be sitting, only sitting on your chair, but getting involved, um, learning how to prophesy, learning how to encourage, getting involved in people's lives, um, yeah. sharpening others. Yeah, and we don't, um, iron doesn't sharpen iron from a distance either. Yes. You've got to get close with people. And if you think people ain't your thing, boy, oh boy, have you even met Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's true. It's not when, um, this brings me to the Great Commission, uh, Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach the new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you, be, and be sure I am with you, even to the end of the age. Like, that is not a personality thing. No. Jesus hasn't gone, you know, if you are an extrovert, this yes, is for you. This is for you. However, <laughs> if you don't, then if you're not, then that's okay. No, he's... He has called us all yeah. to that, uh, to making disciples. And if this is something that you struggle with, I would encourage you to ask Jesus for a specific strategy. Maybe you are a much, maybe you're not an upfront person. That's and, okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, maybe you are better coming alongside one, one person and walking them through um, to something. Uh, walking them through to victory in, in an Well, area. I think just of even how you and I are, mm. is we are different. I'm not, I mean, I've obviously had to learn to grow. Yes. Good job. <laughs> to be up front. Um, but that's not my natural. It's not your happy place. No. It's not my, my personality is not like that. And then people are like, oh, but how can you be in hairdressing? Well, hairdressing is one-on-one. I do one-on-one -on -one very well, mm. but put me in front of a crowd and there's way too many butterflies flying around. <laughs> and, and But me. God can skill, yeah. upskill us yes. and equip us for any of those situations. We just need to be a happy ball of clay in his hand that he can yeah. work and go and read biographies of people in the, in ministry. So many of them, it's not their natural, it's not... They're not that way inclined. They're not. Mm. But then God grows us and, and moves us. Mm. Because we do want to walk out all into all the fullness that he has for us. Mm. That we're, is our heart's desire. We're not uh, apprentices telling the master what to do. Yes. We're allowing, that would be bad. Yeah. And you'd probably get fired. <laughs> <laughs> we're allowing the master to adjust us as we live out our apprenticeship under him. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 says, You've heard me teach things 
that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Our discipleship is that of disciple-making disciples. We aren't just disciples for the sake of being disciples. We aren't just apprentices for the sake of being apprentices, but we need to be disciple-making disciples. How do we go about doing that? I think firstly, be walking alongside someone, being discipled, and then make sure that you're bringing people alongside you that you can disciple. And that will encourage them to bring people alongside them to disciple. Yeah, we've, we, you've spoken about intentionality. And I don't think discipleship happens by accident. No, of course not. Um, I think, look, I mean, I, I knew a church uh, back in the day whose motto or one of the, the things that they would say often was, if you're not discipling anyone, you're wasting your time. And sure. that, was, that was everyone. It wasn't, you know, new believers. It wasn't hoops. You know, it wasn't yeah. like, if you are this qualified. The seniors. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you've been walking with God for, oh, two years, it's time to disciple. No, it is, hey, no matter where you are, you can teach what you know, and you can disciple someone. Sure. And I, th- I think that sometimes that is lost in uh, in this current age. Uh, we're very... We mo- want to be qualified. Yes, we want to be qualified, but we also, um, we're a little selfish, I think. Yeah. And I think we allow people to, we allow ourselves to take center stage too often. And that's not helpful in the kingdom, in expanding the kingdom or growing the kingdom. Um, we always, uh, I think it's Kenny and Francis, we always, they always talk about not leading, to, not leading towards yourself, yeah. but pushing people towards Jesus. And that means that you are not the biggest person um, in your own life or, you know, in the life of someone else, but you try to let someone else hear the voice of God for themselves. And as you walk with them, you are encouraging them to listen to God. What is God saying? Yeah. Have you been praying about this? What does the Bible say about this? And, and inviting investigation rather than telling them what to do, which is what a guru would do, you know, and we're not gurus. No. We're all on a journey. Yep. Uh, so yeah, do as we finish, do you want to say anything that you would like to say? I think from from when you listen to this, from this day or that day forth, <laughs> consider yourself a disciple and make sure that you are discipling all for the glory of Jesus. Um, you don't need qualification but you've got to have a heart for Jesus, love mm. Jesus. And obviously we want to see people love Jesus. That's our, that's our goal as Christians. Cool. Thank you very much, Yanandi. This has been a delightful conversation. Thank you, Michael. Right here on the Venture Church podcast. Mm-hmm. We look forward to hearing from you again. And yeah, I'll continue to uh, catch all the rest of our resources and things. And thank you for listening.
Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Venture Church podcast. If you want to connect with us further, please log on to our website, venturechurch.co.za or connect with us on our various social platforms, Instagram and Facebook.